lights up everything. Well, the Blues are not, to be sure. But apparently, last in the Central Division is just fine with the front office as nothing has been done to address their putrid play. With Ian out of town, we'll be joined by our dear friend Justin Horniker, host of the Running Through It podcast. We'll see if we just can't run through all this crap together, so let's get started and let's go Blues! Listening to the Two Guys No Cup podcast with two different guys this week. Well, one different guy. Uh, instead of Ian, who is suffering through the snowiest week in recent memory in St. Louis by traveling to Hawaii, uh, we are joined by our old friend Justin Horniker. That's right. It's uh, three guys and still no cup. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Justin is a running coach and host of the Running Through It podcast, which is great, and you should all check it out. And you're a Blues fan. Were you born here? I'm sure we addressed this last time. Yeah. yeah. Okay. No, I just moved to Kansas City like a week, like a month and not, like a year and a half ago. Okay. So before that, I was St. Louis, born and raised um, for 24 years of my life. I mean, I guess some people in KC are probably Blues fans if they like yeah, hockey. There's, but... there's, a, there's a good amount of Blues fans here in KC. There's also a good amount of like St. Louis transplants here in KC. So yeah, I guess that makes sense. You kind of get the best, the best of it there. There you go. And the best barbecue. Much, Absolutely. Much like Alec Baldwin has hosted SNL more than anyone else, you are now our most oh, guest host. You're a two-time <laughs> guest host. <laughs> Congratulations on that. That much. I'm expecting coveting. like some sort of gift. We'll figure uh, it out. I don't know yeah. When you guys are planning on coming through with that, but a plaque or waiting for it. <laughs> <laughs> a plaque or you know a bust of your image, probably. It's only it's only appropriate. Yeah, I would think so. I think that's only fair. <laughs> So, we've got a lot to cover today, and as is becoming our custom on this show, we are putting off talking about the Blues for as long as possible. Yeah. Because, why do that? I didn't say where we're recording from, because we're in two different places, but let's just say we're trapped inside a time warp. The the deep, dark depths of my heart. (laughs) Of our own depression. There you go. Uh, let's start with some league news here. Do you care about Jacob Chitron signing? I really don't. <laughs> and it seems like looking at that yearly, like it seems like a big contract offer, 20 year old, but I've got no opinion. I feel like it's fine. I mean, I don't know. I feel like if you're paying under five for a defenseman, you're yes. probably fine. But so much, you obviously have a lot of hope in. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they've got endless cap space, so yeah, I didn't really have strong opinions on it. But we've covered pretty much every signing of any note here, so I figured I'd bring it up. There are a lot of injuries right now, which is interesting. Um, I know Crosby is day-to-day, but is expected to miss more than a week. Uh, Kuznetsov is day-to-day. Victor Arvidsson of the Predators is out for six to eight weeks. Andre Vasilevsky, the lightning goaltender, is out indefinitely with a fractured foot. It's starting to pile up in hockey, 
And I guess that sucks to be them. I don't know. <laughs> I didn't have yeah, any. I noticed my NHL app was going crazy today, and I kept expecting uh, that uh, something would happen. But oh, I PK Subban is on the IR as well. Oh yeah, I, I knew I was forgetting somebody. Good call. Good call. So the Preds are down two of their pretty major contributors for a good period of time. They'll still be a better team than us, but <laughs> oh well. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of people who are returning from things, Tom Wilson's suspension was reduced to 14 games. Who didn't see that coming? Uh, the arbitrator, Shyam Das, whose name I'm sure I'm butchering, uh, and was also the man behind Austin Watson's suspension being reduced and the Ryan Braun debacle in MLB, uh. <laughs> reduced Wilson's suspension to 14 games down from the original 20. Uh, since Wilson had already played 16 games, he was eligible to return immediately, and I assume he got two games salary back from the league. He got in a fight his first game back. Do you have any strong opinions on this one way or the other, Justin? I just, like, I don't understand. So, the Washington, like, the teammates of Tom Wilson, for mm-hmm. whatever reason, decided to, like, take his back on everything. And, like, say, you know, T.J. Wilson tweet or T.J. Oshie tweet out that picture of like him coming back free willy three yeah yep. and it's like you have no leg to stand on at this point because it's not like this is his first suspension it's like unfair it's like he hit a guy with his head down yeah blindsided him when the puck was nowhere near him and he got 20 game suspension it's and called I don't, I don't get it it's <laughs> called free willy three because he's posted two of these images before <laughs> I didn't know that. <laughs> That's what I don't get. I mean, I know he did one for the Aston Reese hit in the playoffs, so I assume he did one at some other point. Yeah. I, I and that's what I don't get. It's like I understand if the if the if the media is coming to your locker and asking you about Tom Wilson, you're not just going to bury the guy. Like I get that he's a teammate. It's kind of scummy, but I accept it. You know. But why you have to go out and like celebrate his return? To me, yes. that's where it's a little strange. Like that's the thing I don't. It's like you could easily say, "Yeah, we're glad to have him back. He's a big pun team, or whatever." But mm-hmm. you don't want to say, "Like, oh, the fact that he was suspended for as long as he did." Like when he was initially suspended, like there were so many Capitals players that were like railing about the fact that he was suspended. It's like it was a bad hit anywhere you look at yeah, it. it was, and the fact that he's a repeat offender umpteen times at this point is just like unexcusable. Exactly. It was a horrible hit. It did seem to knock an offensive player into Oscar Sundquist, which is strange. But I other think he that, doesn't quite remember who he's supposed to be. Maybe. maybe. <laughs> he lost that part of his memory. But yeah, I mean, I think overall I'm not that upset about this. You know, it could have been a much bigger reduction. Um, so I guess it could have been worse. I always assumed that this guy would reduce it somewhat. Yeah. I think the... Uh, the rumors at the time were that, like, they made it 20 games, so they knew it was going to be knocked back at some point anyway. So, yeah. like, you knew it was going to come. But Yeah, I'm glad that he still served 16 games, so he served 80% of it, if my math is correct, which I think it is. Yes. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm not great at math, but... I think you're uh, good. Yeah, so, you know, even if he gets a little money back, they, he still missed two more games. It's fine, whatever. I'm ready to put it behind us. Oscar Sundquist doesn't even remember it happening, so he can't be upset. Um, yeah, I guess let's move on until he does it again. Uh, 
the other thing that I forgot to put in the show notes that we can talk a bit about, because God knows I talked about it on Twitter, was the Tanner Pearson trade to Pittsburgh. Um, on the heels of the Kings firing John Stevens, which is a move that made sense. Usually, when a team is struggling and not meeting its expectations at all, the front office makes major changes. I've heard, at least. Those that's are how the, it's supposed to, yeah. Those are the rumors I've, I've heard in the bushes. Um, but on the heels of that, the new coach was, like, I think one in three. And so after an embarrassing loss to the Maple Leafs, they traded Tanner Pearson to Pittsburgh. Um, Pearson is kind of, you know... Not Robbie Fabry, that's not a good example, but he's kind of in that middle tier, maybe where David Perron was when the Blues first traded him, where it's like he was one of their most exciting prospects, and now he's just kind of an underwhelming young player. So I don't think they gave up a future Wayne Gretzky or anything necessarily, but for a team that is old and slow and has a lot of bad contracts, it doesn't make any sense to me to trade someone who is young and not slow, and not on a bad contract. Uh, They got Carl Hagelin in return, who is synonymous with speed, but is also 30 and on the final year of his deal. So I don't know. I I went off on Twitter about this. Anyone who wants to read a small novel and not get any credit for it in their (laughs) English course can go take a look at that tweet storm from yesterday, but... How do you feel about this move? Do you care about this move at all? Do you have any thoughts whatsoever? Well, first off, I thought your series of tweets were uh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Um, but, you know. I was I was fishing for that, so your check <laughs> is in the mail. <laughs> yeah, thank you so much. Um, like, that's the thing. Is that the Kings, like, what is this trade going to do? It's not like they're one trade away from being a Stanley Cup contender by, like, any means. Mm-hmm. You're in last place in the NHL and you make this like I don't know, I would almost even call it like a minor trade. Like is it gonna move the needle at all for them? No oh, no. I don't for sure. I'd not. Probably not. <laughs> I think it could move the needle for the penguins, but we'll see about that. And like the thing with the Kings, I look at them like even when they were winning Stanley Cup, like they lived and died by by King, right? So Quick, yeah. Like you're living died by their goalie by Quick. So if Quick isn't playing up to his best hockey, then even then they're not necessarily playing on the best that's a foot good, forward. That's a good point for sure, and he's injured right now, but before that he was pretty terrible uh, when he was healthy. So it's hard yeah. to know, you know, we've had a lot of those same discussions in St. Louis, whether that's the defense or whether it's the goalie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, if Jonathan Quick isn't playing well, that team doesn't have a chance anyway. I just don't. I I saw some Kings fan or yeah Kings fans praising this trade on Twitter, and they know more about how Tanner Pearson's looked than I do. He does have only one point this season, so I'm not gonna question their reflection on him. But they were excited because it's like, oh well, you know, it's a cap clearing move. Hagwin's on the exact same AAV, and you can trade him to a contender at the deadline. Personally, I feel like if you're trading a young underperforming player in November to get a guy that you can then flip at the deadline. I just, that doesn't seem like a great strategy to me. Yeah. Cause you could easily just move that prospect. Exactly. Thomas Tatar <laughs> also was a young underperforming player 
and look how much he got at last year's deadline. Like you can make big moves at the deadline still, and I feel like they could. I feel like they won't get anything more for Carl Hagwin than they would have gotten for no. Tanner Pearson. So I just don't understand this. I think that organization's really badly run, and it's kind of it's weirdly sad because I you know I loved to hate the Blackhawks and the Kings. And now both of those former dynasties are kind of crumbling yeah. before our very eyes. In that like same mold right now too, and that they're like mm-hmm. trying to make moves to like maybe get back into playoff contention, but they're just not there. Yeah. So you got old bones on that roster. <laughs> exactly. That's a good description. <laughs> very, very old bones. Um, someone who has sore bones is Braden Shin. He's very sore. And he's now on the injured reserve because of soreness. Very bad soreness. He's really sore, guys. <laughs> like, really sore. So much <laughs> soreness. I don't know exactly what's going on. I don't even remember if they coined this one was upper body or lower body, which is all the information we're going to get. Uh, this is one of those weird moves where it's like he's been placed on the IR and I think could be called up as soon as, like, Saturday. So my guess will be he'll miss the both games of the back-to-back this weekend at the least. Uh, in the meantime, Sammy Blay has been called up from the Rampage. So God only knows if he'll get to play. Maybe he will since it's a back-to-back and he'll be rested. But we'll see. I hope Shin gets better soon. I don't know that he fixes anything that's wrong with this team because we were bad when he was here, too, but... He's a yep. big player to be missing regardless. So like, that's the thing with like this year versus last year. Could you imagine like Shedden being out for three or four games uh, last year? We'd be doomed. Done. <laughs> we'd be doomed. We're not even really talking about it this year. And now it's just like because we can't not like goals in our net, like goal scoring is not a problem whatsoever. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing to keep in mind with Shin is that Robert Thomas has been playing in his place on the second line and has looked pretty good for the most part. So it'll be interesting to see whether they just bump him back to a fourth-line role when he when uh, Shin comes back, or if maybe one of them moves to the wing to stay a little higher at the lineup. Obviously, Shin has played there a lot in the past, and I know he was practicing some wing recently, so that's an option for them. Um, but that'll be interesting to see. I sure hope they don't just return Thomas to eight minutes a night on the fourth yeah. line especially because i thought like especially in that last game like there's some plays that he made i was like oh okay this is what we got <laughs> yeah you're starting to see it with him a little bit he hasn't you know broken through in the goal column yet but he's looking better and better and yeah, confidence there's plays that he makes that you don't necessarily like obviously they don't lead to goal scoring opportunities necessarily but like there's a play last game where he just kept he kept the puck in the zone for like 20 seconds when yeah. they're making a line change and it's like yeah so that's what you get out of him. Yeah, it's like he's, a strong skater. There's a reason. I think there's a reason he's so highly rated, and I think it's easy. It's easy to see it with Kairou when he's on the ice because he's just so insanely fast, and that just jumps off the ice at you, which isn't yeah. an insult to anyone. I mean, it's true. But I think with Thomas, if you look a little deeper, you can see why he's even more highly regarded. And it's Absolutely. awesome that we have both. So thank you. Uh, Patrick Maroon apparently has an upper body injury as well and will miss the rest of the road trip, which is the back-to-back tomorrow and, uh, yeah, tomorrow and Saturday. Uh, I guess this matters. I don't know. He's been a healthy scratch. He's been bad, 
I don't want him to be bad, but he hasn't been good. <laughs> so I want, him to be, I want him to be good. Like that's that's the thing is you want him to to show up. And it's like I think we do miss him on the power play. When we don't have him. Like I think his yeah. presence as that kind of like down low guy helps. But like, what does he do on five on five necessarily? For sure. And I think he's made some really good plays that he hasn't gotten a lot of credit for. The hit on either Keith or Seabrook one of the times we played in Chicago and that screen um, on a Tarasenko goal. Where, I mean, he's done some stuff, but he definitely needs to be more physical and more whatever, more offensive, I guess, is the best yeah. word. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I mean, I think without Shin and Maroon, it is an opportunity for guys like uh, Soundquist and which I can't believe I'm even saying, and Thomas and Sanford and whoever else to step up, maybe even Blay now, uh, and prove themselves a little bit. So we'll see if they do this weekend, which I don't expect, but we'll talk about that more later. Yeah. Uh, do you want to jump in to the game recaps, I guess, now? I guess. <sighs> this San Jose game seems so... So long ago. Honestly, when you sent me the show notes, I completely forgot that that game wasn't. <laughs> that wasn't game was covered last week. Yeah, was something we'd be covering tonight. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I feel the same way. Um, that quote too from Did you see the video with Petrangelo after the game, where he was touching his face a ton and yeah. was very strange. That feels like I first saw it about three months ago. So, anyway. We saw it a week ago, not even a week ago, six days ago, when the Blues beat the Sharks 4 to nothing in what I think we can safely say was their best game of the season. Um, Patrick Maroon and Jay Bomeister were sitting in this one. Chad Johnson was starting in net and was injured, and it was Sashnikov's first game back from his rehabilitation uh, this was also the game, man, this seems like forever ago, that right. Thomas started his uh, 10th game officially, uh, which means he started the clock on his entry-level contract. There were some weird comments from Yo where he said it didn't mean he'd be here all season necessarily. I just think that was a stupid thing to say. Let the guy have his moment. I think it was one of those classic coach, like, empty threats sort of things, you know? That you say, that coaches say, I don't know, you coach things. Why is that would a you thing even you say? say <laughs> I don't I don't know why some coaches are like, oh yeah, we have to threaten our young 19-year-old players. Because they probably don't have enough going on debuting in the NHL and all. Right. Um, like you're going to, like you're just going to waste a year off the DLC, which I'm sure he would love, and then send them back to yeah, the... Yeah, he'd probably be fine with that. But what... <laughs> It's just very strange. It's not going to happen, I don't Makes think. zero sense. Um, but whatever. Who am I to judge Mike Yo? Apparently, he's a great coach who deserves to stay here for a yeah, very long Steven, time. Steven, you've so. never played hockey, so you wouldn't know. I have not. That's true. I <laughs> played on the street, and that was it. So I don't even know. I don't know the game. Anyway, um, the Blues <laughs> score opened the scoring in this game. Alex Petrangelo, who is the captain of the Blues, scored his second goal of the season. Uh, it was a really nice play by Tarasenko outwork, outworking Carlson behind the net. Uh, he just kind of fought off Carlson and got the puck away from Carlson and LeBanc uh, to 
get it back in front to Petrangelo, who uh, was pretty far back, and he sort of delayed and delayed and then fired and scored. Uh, it was a really nice shot by him to kind of wait for long enough for Vlasic to get out of his way. And it was a good goal, and we opened the scoring. It was great. And we entered first intermission one to nothing, which was cool. Did you have any oh, thoughts on I, any of that? <laughs> well, having the lead. I, I forget what it's like at this point, but having the lead is fun. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy it, yes. I do want Mike Yo fired, so at points I don't enjoy it, but I do my best to get over that. <laughs> uh, Ryan O'Reilly scored his eighth of the season assisted by Jaden Schwartz. It was, again, Tarasenko doing really hard work behind the net. Um, he didn't get an assist here, which I thought was unfair. He robbed the puck from Couture and then played keep away and fed to Schwartz, uh, who was to the right of the goalkeeper, Dell. O'Reilly moved from behind the net to Dell's blind side. Schwartz made a really nice pass to O'Reilly, who then had a wide-open net to score. And that was O'Reilly's... A ninth straight game with a point, which makes him the first Blue to do that in his first season as a Blue since Doug Waite, which I think was 05-06 maybe, but I wouldn't quote myself on that. I think 04-05. Okay, fine, Mr. <laughs> Smart Guy. No, that's that makes more sense, I guess. I hate to, I hate to one-up you by year, but... <laughs> no, you're good, you're good. I know we then <laughs> traded him to Carolina and then got him yeah. back. Yeah. When but he won a cup in between. So hooray. Jaden Schwartz scored. <laughs> it's hard to talk about a win when you're just deeply depressed. Uh Jaden Schwartz scored his second of the season. Uh this was a good game for people who hadn't scored much to score goals. Um Bozak and Steen assisted. Dunn did a really good dra- job here to hold a puck in at the line. Uh, Steen got it, and it took a weird carom and got to the a Sharks defender. Uh, and Bozak really nicely lifted his stick and hit Schwartz, who was crashing the net, for a goal. So it was 3 to nothing going into second intermission, which is a very foreign feeling. How were you feeling that at that point? Yeah, I was, I was happy. I was like, yes, finally. Turn the corner. Like, this is one of those games I did not fear that third period collapse that, like, I'm always kind of scared of. Like, anytime we have a two-goal lead, I'm mm-hmm. just like, this is the worst lead ever. I know we're going to lose it. The 3 0 lead, like, that, I felt good. I felt very happy. I was excited watching this game. Yeah, I think that's fair. And playing what many people predicted would be a Stanley Cup contender before the season, it felt good. It felt like... I think wins are supposed to feel. Oh, I, I think this is what winning is supposed to feel like. <laughs> you feel happy about it. I think so. I don't know much this season, but I think that's true. Uh, Steen got a really nice goal. Or, or no, Steen got a really crappy goal, excuse me, after the three really nice goals. Uh, Bozak was kind of fighting through traffic, and the puck weirdly got through to Steen, who just took the goal. It was a free goal. Who cares? It was... Eight minutes left, and the team was up by three, so it was kind of, you know, it was kind of meaningless. But we won 4 nothing. Uh The Sharks outshot us by two, but the Blues won uh, 67% of the face-offs, which is quite a trend. Uh, the Blues were 0-4 on the power play. They haven't scored on the power play all week, in fact. Uh, the Sharks have one more hit. The Blues had two more blocks, yada, yada, yada. Sashnikov in his first game played fewer than seven minutes, so I don't know why he was even there. 
uh, but he was plus one with a hit. And only Sanford uh, of the other forwards also played under 10 minutes. Um, every other player had 11 minutes. Every other forward had 11 minutes or more. Most of them were over 12. And then all six defensemen played shorthand of minutes because Jay Bomeister wasn't there. Um, so that was good. Uh, I think overall, this was our best win of the season. I think that's pretty easy to say. Uh, Mike Yo said, we've seen it in glimpses. I've been kind of harping on it that it's been coming along. We want it to come quicker, but definitely one of our better 60-minute performances. But obviously now we have to build off that. And they did not. (laughs) Jeremy Rutherford had a couple of comments on Vladimir Tarasenko and Robert Thomas uh, on Tarasenko. He said, he's been active at times this year, but that was the most aggressive I've seen him play from start to finish in quite a while. And on Thomas, he said he was really noticeable. Unfortunately, one time it was because of an interference penalty, but tonight he played a season-high 15 minutes and 41 seconds, uh, two of which were on the power play, and he had three shots on goal. Um, But beyond the stat sheet, he skated really well and was in on a lot of plays. So overall thoughts on this game before we move on to the sadness. Yeah, um, I mean, like talking about the power play, I are the penalty kill. Um, I really like Barbashev in that role. I think he's looked really good all year as like this penalty killer, fourth line guy, even though like his upside is probably more than that. Like I really liked him Mm -hmm. as far as like this group of players, like playing in that role. I think he does a really good job. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then I think we really under if if it's possible, I think we really underrate Tarasenko for what he actually does for this team. Uh, I agree. We'll talk about it even more in the <laughs> Chicago game. Oh boy, Willie! <laughs> um, but yeah, he he's really good. He's a really good player. I think <laughs> at the beginning of the season, everybody was kind of down on him because he wasn't showing up on the score sheet. And I think he's an even better player than we give him credit for. I think sometimes, like. The problem is that the type of player he is, he isn't always 100% full throttle on, like, the backtrack and things. And, like, people see him kind of, like, cheating up toward the half line. They're like, oh, man, he's not even trying. Yeah. Like, people said it last year all the time. Like, Tarasenko wasn't a hard worker. Like, you have no proof. Nothing you can show me is going to convince me that he's not a hard worker. Yeah, but, absolutely. Uh, so I, I think, like, part of that is why we kind of maybe take him for granted mm-hmm. to a certain point because we've, we've seen what he can do and we know what he can do. But... Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think you want to see him find a way to be hot in the offense and defensive ends at the same time. But for the moment, he's just playing a really great overall game. And he's getting a lot of assists this season, excuse me, that uh, have looked really good. So he's just doing well. Uh, The Veterans Day game was against the Minnesota Wild. The fans sang the anthem, which was really cool. Uh, I saw it played on the NHL Network. I believe, over the weekend. Um, For anyone out there who's listening who may be a veteran, thank you for serving. I know it's a little bit late, but we don't record on Sundays, so that's why that happened. But seriously, (laughs) uh, thank you to all who have served and are serving. Uh, Yeah, I I can't do anything to repay that, but I will say thank you. Um, So in this game, it was... A different story. The Blues did get the lead early, but then didn't maintain it. Um, They had a power play right off the hop. They had four shots. Dubnik was standing on his head right out of the gate. Um, Robert Thomas seemed to be knocking on the door. 
I wrote at one point that the Blues have been all over it in this game. Wow, wow, wow. That doesn't seem possible. Chad Johnson made a save with his butt. I do remember that. Uh, He was totally with his back to the shooter and just managed to save it anyway because he was red hot at that point. Um, This was his third start in a row, right? Because he started the one before the shutout, I believe. Right. So, yeah. Um, Little old goaltending controversy in ye old St. Louis. Who would have ever thought? Uh, (laughs) Oscar Sundquist got his third goal of the year, which is also a career high um, and also higher than his career total before entering the season. Um, He was assisted by Barbashev. Samford really worked hard to get this puck through the scrum. Uh, Sundquist kind of picked it out. He passed it along to Barbashev, and Barbashev hit a pass back to him. And he roofed it. It was a really nice shot, too. I don't know what Oscar Sundquist is, um, but... He is good at hockey. That's what he is. I guess. I guess that's true. (laughs) It's hard to believe, but I guess it's true. And, Uh, you know, with that goal, we have officially won the Shattenkirk trade as well. So you can put that in the uh, Army point column. There you go. (laughs) It's, It's done. Although that was never... That was never in question the way no. Shattenkirk's been playing lately. Um, but anyway, who's <laughs> going to judge poor old Kevin and his lack of hair? Uh, the Blues collapsed so fast in the second period that I didn't see it. I took a little too long getting back to the game, and by the time I was back, it was 2-1. to one. Uh, But the NHL.com does allow you to watch these goals back if you have about two hours free to wait for them to load, so... Um, Zach Parise scored his seventh goal of the season. It was very strange. He made a nice 180 backwards pass to Nino Niederreiter as he skated in. He lobbed what I guess was a shot, but it was very floaty to the net, and it hit the crossbar or the post and just kind of sat dead behind Johnson, and Parise found it before anyone else did and finished it off with another 180 backhand because I guess he's a show-off. Uh, It was a very bizarre goal. It was a kind of a sad way to see Johnson's shutout streak end, not that it was, you know, legendarily long at this point, but still. And then Joel Erickson-X scored uh, like 30 seconds later. He was backing in and holding off the defense. Uh, He escaped and passed it to Jordan Greenway, who is a giant of a man. He took a shot off Johnson, which Johnson didn't control, and Erickson-X finishes it. Um, it was probably one Johnson should have controlled. We give plenty of crap to Allen for his rebound control. Uh, he might have been flustered by the fluky goal right before that, uh, but he calmed down and finished the period well, so credit to him, I guess, for that. Um, I think with Allen and Nett, that might have been the kind of moment that had become a blowout very quickly. Yeah. Um, we don't know because he wasn't there, but that's just kind of my read on it. Uh, but the Blues held on and eventually tied it up with an Alex Petrangelo goal with three or his third of the season with about 10 minutes left in the period. Uh, he had There was a lot of sustained pressure here. O'Reilly made a nice transfer uh, from defense to offense and unloaded a beautiful saucer pass to Petrangelo, who ripped uh, a 
nice slap shot to the far side of the goal, and it was a really nice goal overall with really good timing. Um, Petrangelo scores in two straight. O'Reilly has points in nine straight. We're tied going into the third period. What could possibly go wrong? Am I right? Am I right? right? Yeah. No, like nothing. <laughs> nothing going to go wrong. We got the momentum back on our side. We looked really good in that first period, and especially to the end of the second period, I really liked, you know, it looked like the Sharks game as far as the possessions would go. So, I mean, you know, at that point, uh, the wheels obviously would fall off. Exactly. And Jay Bomeister wasn't even playing, so there wasn't a defender who could make a cataclysmic mistake that would cost us the game, no. unless Colton <laughs> Pareko did it, which he did. Um, with about eight minutes into the third period, Mikhail Granlin technically got the goal, uh, but it was a weird kind of ping-pong puck to where the puck sort of just bounced from the boards into the crease. Pareko got it and then totally flubbed it and failed to clear entirely, uh, and Granlin collected and roofed it over Johnson. <sighs> it was not a good look for Colton at all. Uh, it was reminiscent of the one he gave away at the end in, was it Montreal, I want to say? Um, yeah, because it was Brendan Gallagher that scored it. Yeah, uh, yeah it was oh, just a bad play. <laughs> Mike Yo, uh, I, I guarantee you, if Jay Bomeister had made this play, these would not have been his comments. But Mike Yo says, you've got to recognize that you've got to get the puck in a danger, or that you have the puck in a dangerous area. Just slap it out. Just do whatever you can. Hammer it, and somebody. And if somebody happens to be in your way, then it should hurt. You've got to get it out of there as hard as you can, which I agree with. It's true. I think that was a comment because who blocked one of Pareko's shots earlier in the game with the top of his foot? Like I think that was a comment towards that. Yeah, and like he be. he took somebody out of the game with a slap shot like earlier in the game. So I'm trying to remember who that was, and I can't. But yeah, you're right. Um, it was a really bad play. I mean, there's no doubt about that. The whole loss isn't his fault. We didn't respond and score a goal because I don't think we have that ability yet. But it was a bad play to be sure. Uh, the Blues kind of played an ineffective rest of the period and also ultimately lost. Uh, they outshot the the Wild. That's who we were playing. Almost 2-1, to 31-18. Uh, to 18, And they did win the faceoff battle narrowly. Uh, but both teams were 0 for 2 on the power play, and the Wild had a lot more hits and blocks. Um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about this game overall. I think it felt more like what a normal loss would feel like, like if your team was just doing fine other than the Pareko error, this wouldn't have felt especially bad, you know? But Yeah, I think we're the, like, watching the game, it felt like we're the better team. Yeah, as is like how we were playing overall. Yeah, I, guess I think that's happens. fair. I think we still didn't look amazing, but yeah, I think we were probably the better team. Uh, Johnson still looked fine for the most part. Uh, the second goal wasn't great, but neither of the other ones were his fault at all. Um, he wasn't bulletproof, though, and we needed him to be if we were going to win this one, apparently. So uh, Ryan O'Reilly said words, which is rare for Blues players. Uh, he said, it stinks. It's unacceptable. We've got to start making the push. We've got to start climbing. We could have taken those two points. If we win that, obviously, it's a great homestand. We did find our game at times, which is important, but consistency has gone, got to be there. 
Um, <clears throat> Mike Yo said the goals that we gave up, we didn't need to, which thanks Mike. Is, <laughs> I'm glad you said that because that is just a classic coach quote. Uh, and another coach quote here. I thought it was a winnable game, just made the wrong mistakes at the wrong times. And the mistakes we're making obviously are big ones, but it's not just the mistakes. A mistake is nothing firm enough with your play. I guess is I don't know what that meant. Maybe I typed it wrong, but maybe he just said something weird. Um, there were some things that <laughs> <Very> were <possible. laughs> there were some things that were pretty good. I mean, all of the words I typed were words, so I'm gonna believe that it's him and not me. There were some things that were pretty good, but we're not in the business of saying that. I think we limited their chances, but it's chances that we give up that are unnecessary. God, I I I. Don't think Mike Yo is a bad person. I think so what you're saying is there's chances. Sometimes <laughs> chances are bad. Sometimes they're not, but sometimes they're unnecessary. This is the coach equivalent <laughs> of you're excited, I'm excited, the fans are excited, and all our sponsors. I don't, like, uh, I, again, I don't want to harp on him like he's a bad person, but this just sounds like a guy that doesn't know what to say at this point. It's like, they're good. I don't want to say they're good, but they're good, but they're also not good. Some of them were good. Uh, this is our <laughs> fault, but it's not our fault because anytime you lose, it's the other team beating you, but sometimes you beat yourself. But when you beat yourself, you've really got to look in the mirror, and when you look in the mirror, sometimes you see that the other team was just better than you. Uh, I, think, <laughs> I think that's a classic coach quote right there. Uh, Alex Petrangelo also said some words. He said, I think both teams were playing a bit cautious in the third. It started getting a feel. We started getting a feel, uh, but I think we could have gone out there and distracted the, or dictated the pace a little bit better. And then he said a couple of mistakes, but no one would score in the league if people didn't make mistakes, right? Mistakes are going to happen. Teams are going to score. It's just how we respond. I thought in the second period, we did a good job of responding in the second half. And I believe that was the quote that made most of the St. Louis fan base lose its minds and decide that... I can think of a lot of players who can score without necessarily having a mistake made in front of them. I mean, that's true. (laughs) I agree with that. I mean, it's not a great quote. But a number of people decided that this was the final straw in not making him captain. And it's a discussion we'll have a little later, but... We'll we'll come back to that quote at the time if it feels right. But just a strange quote to have that reaction to, I think. There's um, like some things. I talk about this in like track and field sometimes. Of like the post game interview, you're not going to get gems out of because people are like have just played, you know, sixty minutes of a fucking game and they're not mm-hmm. going to be on top of what they want to say. Um, like in track, there's this like there's this thing where like the reporter will run up to a runner just as they finish the race and they're like breathing, their hands are on their knees and like ask them some like serious question and expect a good answer out of it. Mm-hmm. But you're not going to get that. Some, yeah. some things you're not going to get out of a post game interview. And I think you can't really read too much into that, but yeah. we will, we'll keep reading too much. Into <laughs> we for sure will. Somebody <laughs> runs up to someone at the end of the New York marathon and thinks this is the time that I will get their deepest quote about life and endurance yeah that's it's a strange phenomenon i mean it's just that these players aren't available to reporters any other time yeah a lot of the time so i guess that's why they have to do it but yeah that's a really good point and i'm glad you made it um let's not talk about the blackhawks game except for two things this was 
maybe I mean correct me if you feel differently, but I honestly think even if the Blues hadn't played as badly as I they did, this would have been the wor- one of the worst games of hockey I've ever seen in the NHL. It was both teams just looked awful. And At a certain was, point, I just got up and started doing like work around the kitchen, yeah, just like cleaning it, things up. <laughs> it is so hard to make a hockey game not even fun to watch. And this was just not even entertaining in the slightest bit. Um, the one goal, obviously, everyone knows was the Jay Bomeister fiasco. Oh boy, it was bad. Um, I don't even I don't even really want to pile on Jay at this point because I feel like, He's already buried. Yeah, if you want, me, if you want uh, some piling on, Jay yeah, Bowling. sure. I'll let you do it. Let's talk yeah. about the goal. Like, real quick. This is the one thing that we asked Jake Allen to do. It's save pucks in clinch sit in clutch situations. <laughs> yeah, and he does it. He saved the puck. It's sitting there where you think you have two defenders in the area that would easily be able to clear that puck out of there. Uh-huh. It's just sitting there. It's not moving. It's just like stationary in the crease. And Jay Bowmeister decides to somehow like I don't even know how he does it. He was like kneeling on the ground. Somehow he's able to slide into the crease more and kick the puck in. Like, I don't know how this goal even happens. So I'll, I'll pile on, too, <laughs> since we're in this deep. So let's describe the play a little bit three-dimensionally. The Blackhawks are on the power play. Bomeister and Edmondson are defending. Bomeister makes the only move Blues defenders have when a puck is going from one side of the ice to the other side of the ice. The only option is to dive onto your stomach. It's never, I don't think I've ever seen it work. I don't think I've ever seen it prevent a pass. But it's what you do if you're a Blues defender. And so he does that, and the puck kind of trickles over him on a saucer pass. And whoever gets it, I think, I guess it was Seabrook, because he got the goal ultimately, took a shot. Allen made the save. Again, this is, you know, 2 percent maybe of blame on Allen for not controlling it two percent actually seems ridiculously high the thing is, is that like it went to his defender you control the yeah, rebound you yeah, push it out. for sure so <laughs> no percent let me not try and blame Allen on this one negative six percent because Bowmeister is a hundred and six percent responsible Bowmeister is full-on in the crease which a defender should never be and is getting up from this heroic Superman dive play of his. And as he gets up, he just kicks the puck in. As he's kind of like on one knee, his skate slides behind him. He has no clue where the puck is, and it goes in the net. And in so doing, one of the Blues players scored the only goal of the game, and we still lost. So, and Alan, like, stares a hole through him. I'm Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure he did. I, how do, I mean... I, we are no Jake Allen apologists here on this podcast, but how do you not feel for a guy who is literally fighting to salvage his career and reputation in the league and then has his own defenders just straight kick pucks into the net? Just, it's, it's, uh, I don't even have words to put to it. <laughs> I'm out of words. <laughs> there are no more words. I thought I wanted to say another word, and I forget what it is. So no, I'm just, I think I'm just oh, so mad. The one thing I, I regret truly about hockey, I don't know how big of a, of a soccer fan you are, but I love that in soccer, there's actually a stat for own goal. Yeah. So, like, if you kick a ball into your own net, even if it's a deflection or whatever, you wear it. You know, they don't say whoever on... 
you know, man, you happened to touch it last scored the goal. It's like it's whatever player touched it last scored the goal, even if it's one of the own players. So I wish hockey did that. I wish that too. Like it would make a lot more sense because sometimes the player was like long gone and it goes into the net by a defender. Yeah, for sure. The one, the one where Eric Johnson literally <laughs> just shot a puck into his own net. Like whoever touched the puck last for the other team got credit for that goal. Yeah, and when Bergevin just, like, threw it in the net, you know, there are some things that should be own goals. <laughs> sure. Uh, but anyway, Bomeister did not get the own goal, so he has no goals on the season. Or does he have one? He might have one, weirdly. Anyway. One uh, goal, two goals against. He at least has two own goals. We know that. So, yeah, the Blues lost one to nothing, but it was not despite the best efforts of Vladimir Tarasenko who went friggin' Super Saiyan in this game. I don't know what the Russian equivalent of a Super Saiyan is. <laughs> I guess Super Comrade or something like that. But anyway, uh, his day started by having a tooth knocked out by Dominic Cahoon on a high stick. There was no call, which I get that you can miss a high stick. I legitimately do get that. What I don't get is how you can miss a guy missing a front tooth that he had three seconds ago and, and bleeding profusely like out of his mouth. It. So it's not like it wasn't like in the play. Yeah. Well, he picked his tooth up off the ice. Don't you think he would have skated over to the ref and been like, hey, what's this look like? Does it look like a jagged tooth? Because it was knocked out of my face. I mean, he wouldn't have said that with all the, you know, pronouns and Lincoln verbs in there. Yeah, the he's, not, he's not that good at English. Um, but, you know, he would have gotten the point across. Uh, he kind of smiled and chuckled as he picked up his tooth off the ice and skates over to the bench. I saw a post on the Blues subreddit today that said, your Tarasenko has evolved into an Ovechkin now that he's missing his first his front tooth, which I love. We can only help. We can only help. Oh, that'd be so great. Wouldn't it be awesome if that's like what unlocked the Russian superpowers? And given how the very final moments of the game played out, that might be true. I um, legitimately think he died only to be resurrected as a better scorer. <laughs> it's possible. <laughs> it's very possible because uh, with an open net, uh, Tarasenko made not one but two really incredible plays that ultimately meant nothing because we lost, but are going to live on in my heart forever. Uh, the first one was as he's back skating, he made a really amazing diving poke check to knock the puck away from a Blackhawk who otherwise would have easily scored on the empty net. And then as the puck kind of escaped the zone and re-entered the zone a few seconds later, he stood in the net and blocked a slap shot off his hand to prevent another goal. Jake Allen has a glove on that same hand and wouldn't have made the save, but <laughs> Vladimir Tarasenko makes it no problem. And as you were kind of alluding to earlier, the people who call him soft or lazy or whatever, uh, I would just throw these plays at them kind of in perpetuity to say that that argument is ridiculous. I don't get yeah. it. I think there's times where you realize that Terry Sanko is like the heart of this team. And this was definitely one of those occasions. Yeah. It's like, he's going to do whatever he can the most that he could possibly do to try to drag this team to some sort of win. I agree. And the uh, NBC, since this was a nationally televised game, because of course it was, because it was so god-awful. Naturally, I had to listen to Doc Emmerich throughout the whole damn thing. But anyway, uh, I love Doc Emmerich in very small doses, about two minutes or so, more than that. 
too much. But anyway, um, they ran a really cool video package on Tarasenko and St. Louis before the game. It's about two minutes. Uh, you can find it on Twitter easily. I watched it today. I retweeted it today. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so go to Justin's account where you should follow him anyway, uh, which is at your last name, right? And your at first name. Justin, yes. Um, so we'll give all those deets at the end again. But um, yeah, it was... Um, it was a cool video package. I love that his family has kind of made this city their home. Um, his son, his his younger son, the one that's actually his son, freaks me out with how much he looks like his father. It's right, like it's like baby Vladimir. Chasing. It's di- it's disorienting. I don't know <laughs> where the mother's genes went in all that, but. Um, yeah, it's, it's really, anyway, the video package, which cool. So yeah. check it out. And then John Hamm narrates it. Oh yeah. Which was like, <laughs> is John Hamm just sitting around to do whatever St. Louis random thing that they yeah. have? Like you want to, you want to narrate a Vladimir Tarasenko package? You <laughs> yeah. want to interview Wayne Gretzky about St. Louis? Go for it. <laughs> hey, John, we've got a two minute video package. It's like, yeah, I'm kind of busy this week. Uh, you'll get to say toasted ravioli. I'm in, you know, I think that's how it goes. <laughs> Uh, but anyway, yeah, so it was cool. It was, a, you know, it was short, but cool. Uh, this game was, as, as I've already said, so abysmal that even Lou Korak and Jeremy Rutherford kind of <laughs> openly turned on the team, which takes so much doing. And I, and with no insult to them because they've got to maintain their impartiality as best they can, you know, but yeah. they both openly said words to the effect of, I don't know how much longer this team can go without a change, something like that. And then Korak tweeted out one of the most savage tweets I think I've ever seen when he said, when's the last time Jay Bomeister scored the only goal of a game? <laughs> Which is so, like, it's so understated that it it's really a work of art. Um, the quality chirp. Quality chirp. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I... We'll talk about it last, I guess, because it makes the most sense there. I don't know how Mikey is still coach of this team, but before we do that, let's talk about the roster. We are, what, about six weeks into the season now. The team is last in the Central, close to last in the Conference. Thankfully, the um, Kings are still holding that glorious designation, Um, but... What are you feeling about our roster overall? And who are the players you're, like, really disgusted with since you're kind of a new voice? And uh, although we tend to seem to have a hive mind on these sort of things, just judging by Twitter. um, Who are players that you're kind of disgusted with? Who are players that you're in love with? By the way, 6-7 and was the record we were when Davis Payne was fired. So, uh, anyway, just we'll file that away for the later conversation. Yeah, and Davis Payne was also a flexibility challenge, right? So just uh, put that in there as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, like, absolutely. The thing is, like, I don't think the roster is the issue. Um, like, outside of, like, Bo Meester, you know, being old and dried up. Uh, like, I think the talent is there. Like, I think we're a good team. I don't think we're a bad team necessarily. But I think we're just not playing well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I mean, yeah, you highlighted Bo Meester. Um, Jaden Schwartz, I think, really yeah. needs to pick it up. And that's like, not... It is go off to a slow start and Chad being hurt, and he's gone off to a slow start as well. But also you have, like, the, like Ryan O'Reilly's playing 
out of his mind that we didn't have a year ago. Um, and Tarasenko's playing like Tarasenko plays. So I think for the production you might lose with Schwartz and Shen having a slow start, you pick up with Perron and Ryan O'Reilly and uh, Sanford even having a better start than they had last year. So yeah. I think like roster-wise, I think our offense is great. And I think like they don't need to change anything there. But for whatever reason, defensively, it just hasn't hasn't clicked. And I don't know, like I'm not in that area to be able to say what it is necessarily, but something's not right there. Yeah, I agree. And I think another player that I'm pretty proud of overall is Tyler Bozak. Um, he got off to a really cold start, but now he has 10 points in 16 games. He's winning. Quiet too. Like, he's one of those players where you just like don't notice him necessarily. Yeah. He has like three assists on the night. <laughs> but that's Yeah, absolutely. And that's a 51-point pace, you know, which you cannot complain about 50 points. Um, nope. He's winning almost 57% of his face-offs, too. I mean, this team is gangbusters at face-offs now. Yeah, I don't know if it's still true, but Kerber said last night we're number one league in face-offs. I certainly believe it. I mean, O'Reilly obviously is a god. I mean, he's insane. Um, And then Bozak is really, really good. Shin's been fine when he's been healthy. Um, And then some of your other guys are just average you know which is yeah when you pair them with those three guys is really good thomas is 48 percent, which for a rookie is pretty strong so um yeah it's it's a good combo there for sure uh but overall yeah i think you're right in saying it's really not a roster thing and i guess that's that's maybe a better question i could ask is I've seen a lot of people turn on Doug Armstrong in the last two or three days, especially since last night. And I'm, I get that, mostly because he hasn't made the move that I think is inevitable <laughs> at this point with Yo. Like, it, does anyone believe Yo is going to be the coach of this team at the end of the season? I sure don't. I think there's like a point zero five percent of yeah, that. That's probably yeah, about accurate. So it's kind of to me, it's like why are you prolonging it any longer? And the team literally can't afford to prolong it. But how? What's your confidence level in Doug Armstrong at this point? How do you feel about him overall? No, like I, I'm a pretty big fan of Doug Armstrong. I think like the mistakes that he has made over his tenure as a Blues GM, I think he's rectified for the most part. Yeah. Um, but the one move they do want to make he hasn't made yet so i think like the longer it goes that we're just treading water i think it's gonna get the noise is gonna get a little bit louder than what it has been but i don't think that's necessarily like i don't think the team that doug armstrong has put together is the problem it's the coach that he has leading the team that's the issue i agree and there are probably better times for like a big army retrospective but i think overall i mean the o'reilly trade is redonkulous when you think about it and I get it. We're 16 games into his boys' tenure. He's probably not going to finish on a 107-point pace or whatever he's on right now. But, like, he's so good. He's obviously our best center. He's he's probably our best player right now. And in that process, you get rid of the Berglund and Saboka contracts and just clear them off the roster and get some churn going. And you don't give up Thomas and Kyrie. I could talk about that trade forever. But I just think overall, you know, his biggest weakness, I don't think there's any question, is contract extensions. He's made several of those that were really bad decisions. Yeah. 
uh, obviously Laterra, Saboka, Bergwin spring to mind. Um, some other guys like Bomeister. I really don't blame him for the Bomeister contract because he added an extra year um, to get the AAV down a little bit. And I think without this last year, you know, without this season we're in right now, it wouldn't look that bad. I mean, right. a little I if, disappointing. If Bomeister's last year was last year, like that's a solid career. Yeah, um, exactly. I think it's like the fact that he's still playing this year and had hip surgery and is fine, but isn't fine. Whatever they're on this week, uh, I think is the problem. Yeah, exactly. And I think, you know, for, I don't want to say it evens out, but he's got some really great contracts too in Peron and, and like Tarasenko's contract or, is ridiculous. Yeah, that's what that's the other <laughs> one I was gonna say. Tarasenko's is insane. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I don't know. We can talk about Doug Armstrong all day, but I just think people. I mean, here's the thing: his next coach probably is his last coach. So I don't think it's like that far fetched to talk about like maybe the time's coming for us to take a second look at him, but. I also don't think that it's like, oh, let's fire Armstrong right now. Like, no, that's insane to me. Yeah, and my thought before the season started, before he signed the extension, was that he had three years to make this happen or else he was gone. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's still true. Like, he has three years to win a cup or else. Yeah, I think barring barring a Stanley Cup win, he's certainly on his last contract here, and that's fine. Uh, but I don't think – I think he's been a very good GM for this team overall. Uh, speaking of other things I find insane, uh, do you buy into the idea that Alex Petrangelo isn't a good captain? Absolutely not. Okay. <laughs> Excellent. So I think, like, the most ridiculous thing about that is we have no clue what's going on inside that locker room. Yeah. And, like, to put so much emphasis on who wears the C, it's like, you have a player like Petrangelo. Mm-hmm. Anywhere in the league outside of, like, Pittsburgh or Tampa or like where you have these superstar players like he's gonna that player is gonna be the captain of your team because he plays 25 26 27 minutes on the ice he's always on the ice in the like big minutes of the game mm-hmm. that's who's gonna be talking to the refs that's who's your captain yeah but this idea that like the guy that wears the C is the guy that's like has to be the leader in the locker room when we have how how many other guys have been A's or C's throughout the league that are on this roster right now it makes no sense yeah. to me I, I just, like, and the other thing to me is, like, even if I bought the argument that he's not a great captain, which I don't necessarily, what do you do about that? Yeah. Because who is obviously a captain on this team? I've seen a lot of people want to say Ryan O'Reilly, which is absolutely insane to me. And it's nothing against him, but the guy has been at least, you know, supposedly chased out of two straight cities because of his attitude. I haven't seen it yet here. None of us have seen it yet here. But, like, you're going to hand that guy a captain based on 16 games when he supposedly has, you know, grown uh, overexposed in two other markets? I don't... Yeah. I mean, I I've always said, like, Tarasenko is the captain eventually. I don't know when it happens, but... At yeah, some point, like he's sure. going to be captain of this team. And as long as he's here long enough, which I expect, I think that's probably true. But you don't necessarily have to rush that. Yeah, and as I And I think the bigger point is the one that you made. Who cares, really, who wears the C? <laughs> it's mostly ceremonial. Alex Petrangelo wearing the C doesn't, like, make him the only guy that can speak in the locker room. 
or anything. It's just, ugh, I don't get it. Um, let's move on to the eight bazillion pound gorilla in the room. Why is Mikey O still here? <laughs> Can you answer know. that question? The worst today is like all these injuries are happening and like all this NHL news is coming out to my phone. Like the NHL app kept updating and I like kept looking at it. Like what's going to happen? Is Mikey O gone? What's the deal, NHL? And never, never once to tell me that Mikey O is fired. I'm so upset about it. My productivity at work today was just like zero. <laughs> yeah, I was, you know, it's a snow day for most people in St. Louis. I was feeling pretty crappy when I woke up this morning, so I was just kind of hanging out on the couch, and every update that I heard on my phone, I would just, like, pick it up like, <laughs> like a bolt of lightning to try and see if it was uh, the yo firing, and it still hasn't been. I just, what are you doing, Doug? Pick up the phone. My only hope is that he's working something out with Quinville or whoever. I mean, it had better be Quinville. But, <laughs> you know, like, that's my only, like, if you're still working on that and still talking to the Blackhawks, and maybe he doesn't want to bring that guy in right ahead of a back-to-back, although I think that's when Yo started. Um, but in any case, that's my only hope. But I just don't see any point for Mike Yo to still be here. I don't understand it. And, like, I, at this point, I just don't care anymore. Like, I don't want him to be here. Like, fire Yo, make Steve Ott, like, the interim head coach for all I care. Yeah, or Craig Berube, <laughs> whoever. Steve Ott would be fun. That would be crazy fun. <laughs> But for the the rest of the year, if we're already in last place anyway, put Steve Ott out there, see what happens. Make I want to see Robinson him like, leave the, the bench at some coach. point. Like, yeah. let, it, let it go. <laughs> exactly. Make Larry Robinson the interim. Like, it doesn't matter. We've got tons of candidates. But uh, it's just it's just time. I just think it's past time, and I don't really understand what we are waiting for. Yeah, I was actually with my friend today, like, uh, he's, like, probably, I want to say he's the most Homer you'll ever find, but he's (laughs) definitely, like, it's going to take him a lot to actually, like, turn and say something negative towards the Blues, and he actually texted me today, like, all right, one's yo, like, going to get fired. (laughs) It's like, really, one is it, because what we're doing right now is we're treading water, we're going to win, like, two games, lose one, win two, lose one, lose two, like, nothing of significance is going to happen, we're going to miss the playoffs by, like, two games or whatever. Oh, yeah. yeah, and Elliot Friedman tweeted out or made part of his 31 thoughts recently that, like, only 7 of 54 teams in the past decade-plus have made the playoffs from four points out on November 1st, which we were, and then I think, like, 70 or more percent of the playoff teams that are in the standings on Thanksgiving turn out to be, you know, in the playoffs at the end of the year. So it's like the idea that we have tons of time is insane. We're already in a huge hole, and I don't think we have any time to waste. We've got... Yeah, I mean, what, like 20% through the season at this point? We've dropped how many points so far, so yeah. you're going to have to make that up, make that up quick to even get in the conversation. Six, seven, and three, so that's 16, 32 points that you could have, and you have <laughs> a 13, no, 15 total, so not great. Um, And then, you know, more importantly, we've got six games in 10 days starting next, starting tomorrow, and it culminates in at Nashville and then a 
Nashville and Winnipeg back-to-back at home. Um, I found out the statistic last night. I don't know if you saw it, but we haven't won a game against a division opponent other than the Blackhawks since February of last year. Yeah. And we're 3-13-3 and and at that time. I don't expect that to change against Nashville or Winnipeg, honestly. And so if you look at at, Winnipeg, or at Vegas, at San Jose, hosting the Kings at Nashville, and then hosting Nashville and Winnipeg, I think two and four would be as good a result as you could realistically hope for at this point. And then you're pretty much out of it. You know, I think we, I think we beat the Kings. I think we beat Vegas. God, I hope if we don't beat the Kings, and then I think we maybe sneak one out against Winnipeg just because we played them close the last time we played them. Could be, yeah, but hopefully Yo is not the coach then, and that gets somebody else the credit for that. I just, yeah. I don't even have the rage in me that I thought I'd have. I don't have enough to say about it. I just want it to happen already. And I know as I'm going to the game on Monday, I'll repurpose my Matheny out gear into Yo out gear, and uh, we'll be good to go. Maybe they'll understand the message. Excellent. That's good to hear. Uh, you have any other thoughts overall before we wrap this thing up? No, I think I'm just numbed to everything at this point. <laughs> it's so. so true. <laughs> it's sad but true. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll see when... We do this next week. I think it's going to be Ian and I. We'll figure it out. But when that happens, we'll know a lot more because we'll have played four or five games by that point. So, so I do want to ask, like, so one more thing before we get going. Yeah. Like, what do you see? So, <laughs> Why with is the Bowman situation, such a bad like, do you see him playing out the rest of the year, or what do you kind of see in that? With oh, Bowman, sir. Yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I don't. There's no justification for playing him. And Yo keeps doing it. I think if Yo gets replaced, whoever replaces him will be smart enough to limit Bo Meester at the very least and play him 9, 10 minutes a game. I just wonder, like, as the player, when you realize that you just don't have it anymore. I could... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I could see him... He hasn't retired yet, but he <laughs> clearly doesn't have it, so I don't know how... If his, you know... Pride can take a whole shellacking all season long. He's made plenty of money in the league, so I'm sure he's fine there, but who knows. Yeah, I I wish. That's actually one of my biggest desires in sport is I just wish people were more willing to retire at the top. I hate watching guys' careers just go down the tubes because they can't hang them up. You know? I wrote wrote an article about this. Not about the Bo Meester situation, but about... Kenaniza Bekele, who's like one of track and field's like greatest runners ever. In the um, past like three marathons, he's dropped out and like hasn't looked like he's in contention at all. And like basically, not to you know, not to plug my own stuff, Stephen. I wouldn't come on here to do that. I wouldn't um, allow you to ever. So, <laughs> but yeah. like basically, my whole point of writing this article was like, when is the right time to hang it up? And like looking at other greats, like you have your Michael Jordans of the world who. Stay too long, uh, come out of retirement like three times, play on the Wizards, and like your last season, you're just totally ineffective. And you have your Wayne Gretzky's of the world. You like the second your point production starts to drop, you call it quits and retire. Like, where do you stand on that spectrum? Are you going to be Wayne Gretzky or you going to be Michael Jordan? That's a really good article that I am excited to read. And I think that's such a good contrast because, you know, you see people who just 
you know, Tom Brady, I wrote an article about him this week for a different site that I um, just started writing for, so I don't know if I'll ever tweet that out or not. But, um, yeah, and it's kind of like he's still a really good quarterback, but he's not the best in the league anymore. And it's like I know he wants to play till he's 45 or 50 or whatever, but that doesn't mean Mother Nature is going to allow him to do that or Father Time or whichever yeah. character you Father want to discuss. Father Time is undefeated. You know? Yeah, exactly. And so it's just strange to me. And with Bo Meester, you know, he clearly doesn't have it. Yo wants to make the excuse that he's still recovering from surgery. I don't really buy that. But Even though they said at training camp he was 100% ready yeah, to go. Exactly. And... <laughs> and if he is still recovering from surgery, then for God's sake, put him on injured reserve and solve this problem. You know, like... Don't play him 18 minutes a night. <laughs> yeah, I just... Uh, it's baffling to me. I wish I had a better answer for you, but I don't. Um, but let's hope that he has at least something to look back on in this final season. Maybe he can pull it out of the tailspin and nosedive it seems to be in. Like, I thought he played better, like, after he uh, was scratched for a couple of games and played, like, limited minutes that first game back. Like, I thought he yeah, played he better. he wasn't terrible. I think that's <laughs> the key is, like, limit his minutes, give him frequent days off, and we'll see, you know? Which but, I think is, like, aging player 101. Like, I think that's how you play an aging veteran like to get the most out of there you would think yeah i just think there's such a stigma on scratching people in hockey which there shouldn't necessarily be that i don't know that that's gonna happen but i want it to i want it to i keep looking on twitter to see if there's gonna be a midnight firing of mike yo there's haven't gotten anything yet I tried. Brian Five or Six is still there, so go check him out. He's very funny. Uh, anything else left to say, Justin? No, I think I, I think I've said my piece. We've run our run our course, <laughs> if you will. We're in mile twenty six, finishing the race. Um, hey. I'm using analogies that even you will understand. Yeah, I was wondering how many running analogies <laughs> I could fit into this hockey podcast. I'm glad we're getting our quota down <laughs> i tried i made it a goal um why don't you tell people where they can find you and your articles and your podcasts and then we can get out of here yeah so you can follow me on instagram and twitter at horniker justin so at my last name my first name um i don't really have a place i necessarily host my articles at but i usually have a medium blog that kind of posts them on that i'll tweet out so if you want to learn things about running and about the sport of track and field and marathoning Give me a follow. I also have a lot of uh, fun takes on sports in general. Um, I also have a podcast called Running Through It, um, where I talk about running and sports and things through that general like lens of a running coach slash somebody who kind of suffers with like anxiety and things like that. Um, so I'd love to have you subscribe and give it a listen, and it would mean a lot to me. And, uh, yeah, that's, and that's where you can find all my stuff. It's a dope podcast. Uh, your last name is spelled H O R N. E-K-E-R, correct? Correct, correct. Okay, so, you know, people are spelling challenge, now they know it. Uh, So, yeah, thank you for joining us for this exciting and positive edition of the podcast. I can't remember if we mentioned this at the beginning, but you were talking about how the last time you guest-hosted, the Blues were on a five-game winning streak, which literally feels like an eternity ago. Much, much better times, much better times. 
<sighs> but the times are darker now. So uh, I also want to mention that we've never seen me or Ian Peters in the same place at the same time. So take that for what ooh, you will. Um, a nice little conspiracy <laughs> theory to close out the podcast. <laughs> that is very good. That's juicy. He claims juicy. he claims to be in Hawaii, but maybe he's just in Kansas City. Is he? City. Is he though? Maybe. Do you know? Have you actually? visited him there <laughs> i you know he sent me videos but anyone could have taken those videos yeah you have deep fakes now you never know i'm i'm on to something i'm on to something <laughs> for sure thank you for letting me know um we will see if ian returns next week or if justin returns next week or if they are one and the same person next week um it will probably be after thanksgiving uh, so happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy American Thanksgiving, as they say in the hockey business, because every <laughs> single one of them's Canadian. Uh, Screw you know them what's all. so stupid is that they're always like, oh, Canadians celebrated Thanksgiving last week, but all our American listeners, uh, happy Thanksgiving. Yeah, very arrogant. The <laughs> it's like we invented it. Like, yeah, you think your Thanksgiving is the right Thanksgiving? It's not. What are they going to start saying? Happy American Fourth of July next <laughs> next summer that's what all right listen to 31 thoughts around july and see what happens i'll see how oh, they all take the summer off anyway so i wouldn't know uh so happy thanksgiving everyone and we will talk to you soon thanks for listening and good night <laughs>